0: Welcome to Alcohol Across America with your host, Dr. Brad Krever, along with a weekly panel of co hosts. Our program examines the impact of beverage alcohol on public health and safety, the nation's economy, and American culture. Each week, we discuss current trends and issues. Now, here is your host, Dr. Brad Krever.
1: Welcome to Episode 3 of Alcohol Across America a weekly examination of how alcohol impacts Americans and the American economy, American culture and health. I'm Brad Krever, your host. When the 21st Amendment was repealing Prohibition in 1933, individual states assumed responsibility for alcohol regulations and laws, but all the states adopted an approach that had been promulgated by John D. Rockefeller in establishing what was called a three-tier system, and the first tier consisted of the brewers and distillers and the vintners who produced alcohol. The second tier are the distributors, uh, and the third tier are the licensees who. Sell sell, or serve alcohol. Uh, Now, producers can't distribute or sell to the public, and distributors, for the most part, can't also sell or serve the public directly. And this is to guard against market con concentration and domination, where uh, conceivably a a large brewer could come into town, undercut everyone else in prices, totally dominate the marketplace, and this three-tier system was to avoid that and also to protect her against the abuse of alcohol and the problems that led to prohibition in the first place. So these laws are meant to be anti-competitive for the purpose of protecting public health and safety. But the producers and the distributors and the retailers are fiercely competitive and innovative and changing all the time. Co-hosting our monthly examination of the alcohol industry itself and its many changes is Scott Wexler of the Empire State Restaurant and Tavern Association. Hello, Scott.
2: Hi, Brad. How are you? Excellent. Well, uh, thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity uh, to have the conversation uh, that we've been having over the years at the Responsible Retailing Forum and broadening the, the participation in these discussions by including our audience. Our programs on Voice America will explore vor- various ways in which alcohol impacts our country. I plan to use my opportunity as a co host to examine how the alcohol beverages we choose to consume and the industry that supplies and serves them are changing. I've made plans to talk about uh, several topics with some knowledgeable guests who have agreed to join us uh, today and in the future. Uh, During surviving as an independent retailer, we'll discuss the challenges facing small neighborhood liquor stores to compete with big box liquor warehouses and the struggle local restaurants and taverns face competing with national chains. Warren Scheidt of Cork Liquors in Indiana, and Phil Bradley with the Kansas Licensed Beverage Association will join me to share their perspective on this important topic. And on our program about alcohol responsibility uh, from birth to maturity, we'll examine the evolution of the industry's responsible consumption activities from their initiation to the current day. Diane Wagner of Miller Coors and Rob Frederick of Brown Foreman who manage responsibility programming for their respective companies, will join Jane Springer and Chuck Farrar from the Maryland State Licensed Beverage Association, who will help us review key initiatives over the years and look forward to new programming we can expect to see in the future. On today's episode, we're going to explore how globalization, consolidation, emerging new products, and other changes have impacted alcohol across America. While change is constant, over my 30 plus years working with the alcohol beverage industry, it seems like the pace of change in this business is increasing exponentially. While that's a trend that affects our society at large, it still seems to me like the changes in the alcohol beverage industry are coming at a meteoric rate and are disturbing some long-standing givens about our industry, its products, and the options for our customers. We're lucky to have two guests for this discussion today who each bring their own unique insight to this conversation. David Jabour of Twin Liquors, a chain of Texas liquor stores, and Dave Mosier from Admiral Beverage Distributing, a New Mexico beer wholesaler, have lived through these changes and have the bumps and bruises to prove it. We'll meet Dave Mosier later in the show, but let's get the conversation started this afternoon with David Jabour. Good afternoon, David. How are you?
3: Wonderful, Scott. Great to
2: be here with everybody. Well, thank you for joining us today. Now, Twin Liquors is a major Texas liquor retailer. You're a recipient of a Distinguished Retailer of the Year Award from Market Watch Magazine. You've served as president of the American Beverage Licensees. And I was glad to hear you're the president-elect of the Wine and Spirits Guild of America, but can you tell our listeners who are not as familiar with you and Twin Liquors a little bit about your background and your company?
3: Well, certainly. Um, I've had the the privilege of growing up in, in the beverage alcohol business. Our family got into business um, shortly after Prohibition in 1937. We're celebrating 80 years in uh, the beverage alcohol business this year, and it was a a, a business uh, started by my grandfather and, and uh, my dad and his twin brother, uh, thus the name Twin Liquors in their honor, um, and, and I'm in the third generation of business with my sister. Um, we've grown the business uh, from one store to 80-plus stores and, and uh, certainly have a lot of focus in, in uh, lineage and understanding the, the pillars and principles of, of beverage alcohol.
2: Well, then you've got a great perspective to explore this discussion as it relates to the wine and spirits business. As you know, the beverage alcohol industry has been no stranger to the broader business trend towards globalization and consolidation. Large companies like Diageo becoming huge, even huger companies. Companies like Constellation Brands expanding their product mix across the complete portfolio of alcohol beverage products to include beer, wine, and liquor, and new companies with new products and even new product categories are entering the marketplace. How have these kinds of changes impacted your business?
3: Well, consolidation is inevitable. We've seen over the course of time um, consolidation at the supplier level, consolidation at the wholesaler, wholesaler level, and and to some extent, some forms of consolidation at the at the retailer level. Um, you know what's interesting to note is um, engagement is always important at every step of of the way. Um, the consolidation is going to be a function and is a function of of economics um, and opportunities within in business. And so, um, engagement with. Um, good levels of communication with the wholesaler tier, good levels of engagement and communication with the supplier tier, as new um, industry executives come into play um, at at the supplier level. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share an example. Um, you know, where where you we've seen opportunities. I can remember years ago. Uh, gentleman we would all know in name, Ivan Menezes, uh, was recently promoted to presidency of Diageo North America, who's now running Diageo globally. And so this goes back to 2002 when I had the opportunity to meet Ivan. Um, and uh, Ivan was a new entrant to uh, the beverage alcohol um, world and and so I had a good opportunity to fly up to New York with my sister and and get to know Ivan uh, to to provide some background um, on the industry. Years after Ivan was receiving a Industry Executive of the Year award at at MarketWatch, and and uh, he was collecting some thoughts as he was was uh, accepting his award, and he said, I've learned a lot in my time as president and CEO of Diageo North America, but the most important thing I learned comes from Austin, Texas. And he looked over <laughs> to Margaret and I. So, you know, I share that just to say that that level of engagement and communication is important. And, and each of us in, in the beverage alcohol industry, um, business need to recognize what the three-tier opportunity is predicated upon, and it's good, solid communication. It's absolutely incumbent, and so we all have to educate each other, whether it's responsible retailing, history in the industry. Um, There's a responsibility for all of us to provide that communication on whatever the pertinent topic is in the industry. Um, And, um, and, and so that's, that's fundamental that it's it, a springboard for certainly this conversation.
2: So it's interesting to hear that a uh, large, huge company like Diageo would be so open uh, to engagement and and appreciate the opportunity to engage with important retailer, uh, albeit someone, you know, far away from them in in New York. Um, but what about uh, disruptors? Uh, Uh, things, companies uh, getting into the business that come from outside of the industry. Uh, Have there been any disruptors in the alcohol beverage industry, the way Amazon has disrupted retail or Uber has disrupted transportation, where maybe uh, they cause you and your team to uh, think a little bit differently or respond differently?
3: Well, I think that any time we have a disruptor, um, and, and we can look at that as a disruptor being um, an organization that truly doesn't understand how this industry works and and why, uh, simply put, why uh, it works this way, and so um, we can reflect upon what who those disruptors may be, whether it be may be a. Uh, um, an Amazon, as you mentioned, for example, um, as they look at new forms of of, of retail um, methods in in all uh, areas, um, but certainly in beverage alcohol, we have to look at those nontraditional um, players and 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 look at that as an industry and analyze what that means. Um, to upholding the requirements of the three-tier system, and so absolutely, we we, we certainly see disruptors, and it's that communication that's it's the communication um, at the supplier level, at the wholesaler level, and certainly at at the uh, the trade association level. That dialogue that American Beverage Licensees, for example, which represents on and off-premise beverage retailers across the country, has with all of the trade associations. Um, as well as um, the responsible retailing conversation. So it's that dialogue that we have a responsibility to have with each other as we shepherd the industry as we know it needs to be regulated.
2: At the end of the day, David... Uh... Your responsibility, your your challenge is uh, to provide a service for your customers, because if you have no customers, obviously, then uh, you have no reason to have 80, 80 stores. So how have these changes affected your customers? Are they presented with more choices? Have they seen an effect on price? Um, you know, what is what are they experiencing uh, as a result of all this uh, turmoil uh, in the industry?
3: Consumers have Absolutely more choice than ever before. when I was growing up in this business, um, there was uh, you know no concept of um, fine wine, um, craft spirits. Uh, the product selections were much more uh, narrow than they are today. The consumer has certainly more choices. you know interestingly enough, um, there's a qualitative component that that we have in the industry that were, that's different than it was um, in many ways that I saw um, 30, 40 years ago in this business, and and that being that um, consumers intrigued by single malt scotches. Uh, there was no concept of single malt scotch, by and large. Um, boutique bourbons and, 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 and craft gins, um, craft beers, it goes on and on, but... Um, so we have the opportunity to capture the consumers' um, intrigue with that, and have have a lot more dialogue and conversation. Uh, consumers want to know a lot more, and we provide a lot more education. So we've got many more opportunities to have have conversation. But we've seen little brands. Uh, I'm uh, I call Austin, Texas home, and have uh, for all my life. And we've seen a lot of brands. Um, that are considered craft that incubated in Austin, Texas. On um, the spirit side, um, we look at Ketos, um, for example. Um, uh, just you know, an amazing phenomena in in the spirit sector that that continues to uh, uh, be amazing. Um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of that in the in the beer sector. I can think of an old brand that uh, hardly ever sold uh, 40 years ago called Shiner Bach. Um, the list goes on and on, but uh, the consumer's more interested in our category than ever before, um, and so we've got opportunities to have good quality conversations. Products, we've got way more products than we know what to do with, so we have to, as business people, manage those products uh, from a from an economic perspective. But uh, plenty of products, whether it's wine, spirits,
2: or beer, plenty available. So while change is constant, it's also quite challenging to make sure that the changes move your business forward and serve your customers' interests. Uh, It's really quite interesting. You began a conversation uh, about craft beverages, David. And when we come back from our first break, we'll talk further about how the craft beverage phenomenon is driving change in the alcohol beverage industry.
0: the boardroom to you voice america business network responsible retailing forum is a leader in the industry bringing together public and private stakeholders regulatory and enforcement agencies attorneys general public health agencies and producers and community leaders and researchers in order to identify and promulgate best practices for responsible retailing and engage the stakeholders in examinations of responsible retailing policies. For more information on RR Forum or its partners, or how your community can get involved, please visit rrforum.org. If you're looking for an in-depth,
1: thought-provoking discussion about leadership, Tune in to Bernard E. Robinson's The Leadership Forum, making an impact through effective leadership. Each program provides an intelligent, conversational experience about leadership from Bernard, his guests, and you. If you're interested in improving the quality of leadership in your organization, listen live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Leadership Forum on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started?
0: If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And
1: let's get radical! Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
0: We'd love to hear from you with questions and comments about our program. Please send an email to Krever at rrforum.org. That's K-R-E-V-O-R at rrforum.org. Now back to Alcohol Across America. Welcome back to Alcohol Across America. This is Scott Wexler,
2: your co host for this week's episode. Brad Krever and I are joined by David Jabor of Twin Lickers. David, before the break, you were telling us about some significant changes in the industry over the years and how they've affected your business and your customers. One of the most significant changes we've witnessed, and you mentioned it in the previous segment, is the emergence and growth of the craft beverage industry. I mean, there was no such thing a, just a short time ago. How has the craft beverage industry changed your customers' expectations of your business? And how are you managing to keep up with those expectations?
3: Well, ultimately, uh, the consumer enjoys um, uh, trying a lot of uh, products. Um, historically, the consumer would have only uh, been a lot more brand loyal to um, a particular brand um, within a within a category. The consumer now enjoys the opportunity to uh to try brands across multiple categories um and and so as a retailer um that's an interesting opportunity to have an engaged customer but we also then see a lot more products coming at uh uh out of the uh, the suppliers and wholesalers uh that need to be managed and so uh we need to be smarter um, with respect to the trends, even more engaged with our consumers to understand um, what their preferences are and, and knowing how to analyze the data. You ultimately need to understand the consumer and you need to be able to analyze your data. Um, so there's a happy mix of medium in there. Um, but ultimately, the consumer has wonderful choice opportunities and that's that's something that we enjoy the opportunity to do is is... Have the story behind um, each and every product, um, and authenticity is is absolutely fundamental and paramount in the process.
2: How do you manage the shelf space in your stores with all of those changes going on? I mean, it's not like you can reorganize your your your, your product display on a daily basis.
3: No, you have to constantly review the data and understand what's going on with the brands. Um, have metrics in place to be able to understand it, um, and and that can mean different things from um, uh, you know a one unit operator to a mid-size operator to a large operator. Uh, their processes are all going to be a little bit different for what works for them. But ultimately, knowing why and how that product is selling, or or why it's not, and then and if it's not, you have good solid communication with the wholesaler and supplier as to why it's not going to be on the shelves anymore. And, uh, and again, it gets back to that solid communication of why this product is not selling. So good, good communication is fundamental there to grow brands and to discuss what, uh, what's happening with why a brand is not selling.
2: Uh, I can't imagine the difficulty of having to reinvent your business when a phenomenon like this occurs, and I'm I'm sure that the uh, folks our listeners couldn't possibly uh, appreciate that uh, what goes into uh, running a liquor store or a chain of liquor stores like like you and your sister do. David, as as you know, the Responsible Retailing Forum focuses on preventing underage sales and over service of alcohol. How do folks in Texas feel about alcohol issues like? Like these,
3: well, uh, that's the first and foremost uh, um, uh, opportunity we have as, as retailers to collaborate uh, with with uh, with Responsible Retailer Forum and and the industry in making certain that there is clearly um, uh, measures in place to uh, uh, provide responsible uh, consumption. Um you know, one thing that uh, we saw what prohibition did. That wasn't the solution. Um and and, and ultimately we have to understand how we provide responsible um uh, uh consumption. And and a lot of it it's gonna be on the macro level. What is the you know, what is the state of Texas perception towards um Beverage alcohol, or the nation at large, with regard to beverage alcohol, and the states ultimately know what is right within their states, um, as we know by state's responsibilities to regulate. But as a retailer, we've absolutely got it's it all it's all about education, educating our consumers, educating our staff first and foremost, um, and being vigilant daily, vigilant. Daily vigilant with with regard to continued training, um, an onboarding process that is, um, that that places responsibility in, in the first conversation, um, and at the last conversation, and and, uh, and having measures in place to make sure responsible retailing's occurring with every transaction.
2: Well, David, I'm really proud of the work that you and your colleagues in the retail sector are doing. Um, I know you to be good people who are committed to your families, your employees, and your communities. And I think sometimes you you get a bum a bum rap. So I congratulate you and and the folks at uh, at Twin Liquors for the work that you're doing uh, to try to prevent underage sales and uh, certainly over service. Brad, it, it seems to me that David and his colleagues in the wine and spirits business are trying to work within the reality of the present day while working within a business model and regulatory structure that predates World War II. That makes it particularly difficult to manage day to day amongst all this change, don't you think?
1: Yes, and, and add on to that all the topical and political issues that emerge as relates to alcohol. So it's also pretty much a, a, a captive of current events. Uh, David, one of the things I'd be interested in, in your sharing with, with, uh, with our listeners, I, I've worked in, in a number of states, including Texas. And one of the things that strikes me is the enormous variability from state to state at, at all the different tiers. And we're going to have a guest in a little while from New Mexico, which is a very interesting sort of contrast to Texas. Would you just share with us how difficult is it for a licensee to obtain an alcohol sales license to be a retailer like yourself? Um, and how expensive is it to, to, to be part of this?
3: Well, in, in, in Texas, uh, the cost of the license is nowhere nearly what it may be, for example, in New Mexico. And it'll vary widely um, across uh, across the states, Um so it's ultimately not really expensive, but the process, uh, the vetting process, is absolutely very rigorous as to what qualifications you need uh, in order to be in the beverage alcohol business. Um, the regulating agencies certainly have uh, their responsibility in in understanding who it is that that licensee is. Um, so there's a lot of very detailed information that every application provides, um, and a vetting process uh, that's fundamental.
1: Mm -hmm. And if I may just add to that, uh, you had mentioned earlier that there is no longer, as there was many, many years ago, so much customer brand loyalty, uh, that the drink you started drinking is the one you continue to drink. What would you say about customer loyalty and how that has changed? Customer loyalty to the licensee, to the retailer like yourself?
3: That's clearly a challenge for all retailers. Ultimately, what every retailer has to understand, whether it's in beverage, alcohol, or any form of retail, or any form of business, um, is that at the end of the day, the consumer wants uh, to be able to understand what they want. They want their product, and they want it conveniently. And so, um, so we have to understand what that all means, especially especially with regard to beverage alcohol, because there is an added level of responsibility, as we all know, in, in um, producing, distributing, and selling at retail beverage alcohol. Um, so um, there is a difference that we need to make sure that the consumer always understands. And, and consumer convenience doesn't always translate it into what is possible with beverage alcohol, and, and the states understand those responsibilities, and, and, and each state has to be able to manage that responsibility appropriately. Those are some of the biggest challenges that we have going forward um, in making certain of what does convenience mean um, with regard to obtaining beverage alcohol. Um, for example... If you're to sell beverage alcohol in a controlled retail environment, in four walls where you have staff that's exceptionally trained, you have systems in place with your point-of-sale systems, for example, every time a a transaction occurs, anybody that is 30 and under uh, is asked for an ID in our organization. Um, and that ID is scanned uh, through our system, um, and in order to one attempt to identify um, whether it's a, a a correct ID or a fraudulent ID. Fraudulent IDs are a big challenge today, bigger than ever before, and, and that's a big piece that we, as as an industry, have to continue to focus on. So it's it's it's, it's fraudulent IDs, um, and 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 making sure our systems uh, that we have in place in the four walls of each store are in place. But what does that mean with delivery? There's a higher level of responsibility that comes in place with delivery. Um, How do we as retailers know what's going on at a house that a delivery is going to? Who's behind those walls at the house? There's a higher level of responsibility that... And be discomforting for a retailer. It's ultimately the retailer's license that is, is privileged, um, and, and we as an industry that have to understand what does delivery mean in, in beverage alcohol. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something that industry has to continue to understand and, 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 and be responsible about. Beverage alcohol is different than all other, other consumer products.
2: Well, David, as you well know, these conversations are complex and perhaps we'll dedicate an entire episode to the uh, topic uh, of delivery and, and, and those issues. Um, but for now, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, I really appreciate the insight you've been able to provide in how the changes have impacted uh, the wine and spirits business. Thank you, David, for joining us.
3: Absolutely. Glad to. Thank you.
2: And now I'm pleased to welcome into the conversation Dave Mosher of Admiral Beverage Distributing in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good afternoon, Dave.
4: Good afternoon, Brad and Scott. I'm very honored to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for
2: joining us today, David, and helping us uh, examine how globalization, consolidation, and emerging new products and uh, other changes have impacted the alcohol beverage industry and our customers. I have a pretty good idea of what you do, and as does Brad, but I'm sure I'm not so sure if our audience does. Can you explain to our listeners what Admiral Beverage Distributing and you do?
4: Yes. Um, Admiral Beverage is a beer wholesaler in the state of New Mexico, and we distribute beer and non-alcoholic products throughout the state. We have four locations. Uh, and have the rights for the entire state, which is nice when it comes to logistics. Um, Like David, I've been in this business a long time, 25 years, selling beer, wine, and spirits. Um, At Admiral, we have five brand managers, is what we call them, and I manage select beer portfolios, the pricing, the marketing, um, all the nuances that come with a brand in partnership with our suppliers. I also provide resources and communicate programming to our internal employees and also our customers. So then you're just the guy for me to pose this
2: question to. What the heck is going on with Anheuser, busch Miller, and course?
4: Well, you know, it's all about scale, efficiencies, and opportunities. Um, if you look at the case of uh, AB InBev, um, their whole logic was to provide uh, better footing in emerging markets like Africa and South America. Uh, they're creating opportunities. Um, they sold, um, you know, they bought SAB Miller, their biggest competitor, for roughly $100 billion. Um, due to uh, the situation in the United States, they spun off the Miller brands and and sold its holdings to Molson Coors in the United States for $12 billion. So big dollars floating out there. Um, so it is all about just what I said, scale, efficiencies, and opportunities. A lot of this, too, is also about the emerging trends when we talk about crafts is we've seen a downturn in our regular major domestic brands and a lot of our larger suppliers are now looking at consolidating and buying smaller craft companies mm-hmm. for example AB InBev uh, they have bought Goose Island, Blue Point, Bruin, Golden Road, Four Peaks out of Arizona and Miller Coors, uh, Terrapin out of Georgia a partnership with Line & Cougar uh, Revolver down in Texas and Hop Valley out of Oregon. So there is a lot of things going on in the beer industry right now.
2: So that all makes sense when, when you explain it. Um, the um, In addition to all these changes that are occurring with the major brewers, and you started talking a little bit about some of the, the smaller companies, brands that I bet a lot of our listeners didn't realize were owned by uh Uh, the big companies when um, we return from our break we'll discuss further how these new companies and new products entering the marketplace are affecting your business
0: voice america business network the bottom line in business Responsible Retailing Forum is a leader in the industry, bringing together public and private stakeholders, regulatory and enforcement agencies, attorneys general, public health agencies and producers, and community leaders and researchers, in order to identify and promulgate best practices for responsible retailing, and engage the stakeholders in examinations of responsible retailing policies. For more information on RR Forum, or its partners, or how your community can get involved, please visit rrforum.org. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at
2: 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: in real estate stocks annuities and other investment vehicles that's the money answer show with jordan goodman on the voice america business channel every monday at 12 p.m pacific standard time
1: we hear it and read about it every day in the news
0: america is heading over a fiscal cliff home prices are still receding and unemployment growing
1: how can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy
0: Looking for
2: exciting video content, live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv.
0: Tune in now. You're listening to Alcohol Across America. We'd love to hear from you with questions and comments about our program. Please send an email to crever at rrforum.org. That's K-R-E-V-O-R at rrforum.org. Now back to Alcohol Across America. And
2: we're back on Alcohol Across America. This is Scott Wexler with our host, Brad Krever. And we're joined today by Dave Mosher from Admiral Beverage Distributing. Dave, before the break, you were telling us about some of the changes at the, in the beer industry. Uh, and at the same time that we have consolidation and uh, going on, we also see a lot of new products uh, and new and, and new companies entering the marketplace. Uh, what kind of a challenge does that present f- for you and your company?
4: Well, you know, the biggest driver of why all this is happening is uh, the consumers want choice and there are different categories that are being created all the time. For example, right now we have a, a alcoholic sparkling water category um, that is really uh, catching its legs here in the United States. And wholesalers have been seeking out these products, whether they're beer, soda, water, or even mixers, uh, in order to increase revenue from the slower beer sales. Um, Mostly, um, you know, it's important that people know that, uh, you gotta be careful entering into these new categories that you're, uh, that you're unfamiliar with. Uh, we do have the network out there. We're distributing, uh, beer, wine, soda, uh, spirits. Uh, for Admiral though, at this time, we're only looking at, at, uh, beer and soda and water. And we do that because we see there's an opportunity to fill a truck. And we also um, are looking at taking care of our retailers out there that want to see more selection for their stores.
2: So an awful lot of the changes that are affecting you at Admiral Beverage are also having an impact on your customers, the retailers on and off premise and their customers. But at the end of the day, ultimately, your customers are the consumers. Um what do you think these these experiences are like uh, for the retailers and for the consumers?
4: The the biggest thing is, is making sure that you're able to forecast and carry enough of the new products coming in to satisfy our retailers when they want to get into a new category. All things new, you never really quite know how that product is going to resonate in the market, whether it's national or local. Um, you know, selling different categories when you bring in items it offers unique challenges, and, and you got to have the skill set uh, to make sure that you can get the items to market. Um, you know, storage space is a big uh, problem not only with retailers, but could, because of the amount of items that are being released into the market, but also here at Admiral, uh, you know, storage space. We're blessed with a new warehouse, so we have space to grow, but. It does take a lot of logistics to find out, you know, how are you going to store this item, how much do you want to keep on the floor, and what do you think you're going to need to fulfill all the orders that are going out into the market? Um, and sometimes you even have to set up uh, new sales divisions within the company in order to uh, to satisfy that part of the sales um, uh, that you're bringing in.
2: Wow, it's it's quite interesting how much behind the scenes goes into making sure that the retailer has what they need in order to make us the consumers you know happy that it's not just walking into your local grocery store or convenience store and buying a cold six-pack or going to your local tavern and having a uh, you know a cold a cold draft. Um, and of course that's the that's the the sales, service and delivery side. As you know, as a fellow RRF board member, our work focuses on some of the other issues that uh, the retailers and the customers have to deal with, uh, preventing underage sales and over-service. How do folks in New Mexico feel about alcohol issues like these?
4: Well, there has been um, a big push in New Mexico to change the attitudes of uh, irresponsible drinking uh, in New Mexico. And... Our state, along with the help of our key retailers, um, our beer suppliers, um, and you know our, our forum, which Admiral is part of, um, we've made the state a much safer place. Um, our retailers are engaged about asking for help from their wholesalers, uh, participated in safe ride programs. Um, making sure that all of the uh, preventive materials are available for their wait staff um, to look at every day and to remind them of why they should be carding and making sure that people don't get overserved. Um, we've utilized the RR Forum with the help of Millicor's, uh and Mystery Shops in the on and off premise, and that definitely helps to educate. Um, our wait staff and our uh, our customers out there they test the service skills to prevent over service and making sure that they're checking ID. Overall, um, I'm very pleased at the way New Mexico has really looked at the challenge of stopping the over service and making it a little you know, a much safer place out there.
2: Yes, certainly. There was there was a time when New Mexico was perhaps the poster child for how not to do things. And I think uh, you and your your colleagues and and the leadership in the state can really be uh, proud of the work that you've done to try to turn that around. Obviously, this is a uh, an area of continual improvement, uh, but you've come a long way in your work. And uh, certainly as a colleague, uh, I I commend you and and the people you're working with uh, for the progress that you've been able uh, uh, to make. Um, would uh, would you be willing to look into the future and tell us where you think this industry is going? What's the next uh, new change? You mentioned something about carbonated,
4: carbonated water with alcohol. Sparkling water, which is uh, um, uh, a lower alcohol, refreshing, uh, uh, lower calorie drink. Um, but, as I look as to where we've been and where we're going, I I do see some trends that are kind of interesting is uh, there is a big push now um, with folks understanding about the quality of beer and the consistency of beer Um, with the amount of small local brew houses. Sometimes the quality is not quite there. So I think it's educated the, the beer consumer overall as to what quality and consistency is all about. Um, E-commerce, I think, is going to be a very interesting take. We talked about Amazon um, early on in the program, uh, but e-commerce is one of these things that you can have alcohol delivered, uh, you know, to your house. But it's also interesting in the on-premise is to drive uh, convenience for consumers. Uh, you could. Call in your order and uh, and get you some chicken wings and pick up a growler of beer. So I think e-commerce is going to be an interesting part uh, moving forward in the future. Um, I think there's going to be continuous growth on craft beers. um, And for our business, I think eventually the small brewers um, that are really in the long term are going to start talking to wholesalers that are well-versed in talking, selling, and distributing craft beer. It is a skill. I always say, brew your passion and leave it to us to get it to the right customer for you. And and lastly, I think there is going to be a resurgence of traditional European styles of beers, ales, pilsners, ambers, uh, much more sessionable beer Um, than what we've seen in the past that are just big hoppy in your face beers. So it'll be an interesting uh, future moving forward. It always has been.
2: Well, you know, um, we've, uh, we've both been uh, working in and around this industry for a few years now. I just hope that we, uh, get to hang around long enough to see, to see if your predictions, uh, how accurate they are and how enjoyable, uh, what do they say? Enjoy the ride. Um, so, uh, I know I'll, I'll be looking forward uh, to that. Um, Brad, you know, it's interesting that despite the obvious differences in the products they sell and the uh, place in the industry they come from, uh, Dave's experience and, and responsibilities as a beer wholesaler and Dave Jabour's work as a wine and spirits retailer are so similar when it comes to managing change
1: in the industry. And what I've come to realize um, is that the beer distributor is uniquely positioned uh, throughout America to be a really important um, force for enhanced alcohol responsibility. Uh the beer distributor like Dave has a unique relationship with the retailer like David Um uh, And the retailer has come to rely upon the distributor, not only for product, but for responsibility messaging and, and resources and, and, Engaging the distributor has been really important in our efforts to address the overall problem of underage sales. You know, no distributor has ever sold beer directly to an underage person or to a customer who was already drunk because the distributor doesn't sell to the public. But the unique relationship that distributor has with the licensee uh, is one of the most important relationships we build upon in enhanced responsibility. Dave, may I ask you to just talk a little bit more about New Mexico? Uh, we have known one another for years, and, and you've heard me talk many times about my favorite liquor store in America in terms of its name, Andy's Licorette, which at least was in South Santa Fe. Uh, David Jabour told us that the cost of obtaining a, a retailer license in, in Texas is not very great. For Andy's Licorette becoming a package store, what would the cost uh, of a alcohol package store license be? What kind of range? In New Mexico.
4: Well, if you look at a full liquor license uh, with spirits, beer, and package, most of those now are running anywhere from five hundred thousand up to eight hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, the license is. Licenses are based upon population, so I don't see any more being created for a while in New Mexico. So there is a significant cost uh, to staying in business in New Mexico, and we are uniquely uh, poised to, to help our retailers out and making sure that um, they keep that investment um, exactly where they need to with their doors open.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott was talking earlier uh, with David Jabour about disruptions to your industry, likening it to Amazon in retail or Uber. And um, in terms of the destruction of a model, uh, the taxi medallion was similar to uh, alcohol liquor license in that there were only so many issued in a lot of municipalities and they were traded on an aftermarket and they became more and more expensive. But Uber comes around and, uh, and pulls out the rug from the traditional taxicab industry. You think there's any chance of something similarly happening with alcohol?
4: Um, a couple disruptors for sure is um Because the liquor licenses are so expensive, you're seeing a trend in New Mexico where we we're becoming more and more train uh, train chain driven, which means that um, bigger and bigger companies are coming in and they're taking those licenses. So we've become... Um, 74% now is major chains that are in New Mexico. So that is a big disruptor when you look at how Admiral goes to business. Um, a lot of those folks have their own uh, preventive policies and um, um, uh, processes that they do internally so uh we are still taking care of uh as much as we can helping out our retailers and and having an extra set of eyes out there obviously is uh is a benefit even to the big chain people too um the other disruptor i see out there is the large amount of craft brewers uh local craft brewers that we have in albuquerque and a lot of that is uh You know, it it takes a business away from us, but it's also a different way that the consumers are are getting their fresh beer through the uh, tap now. So those are two of the big interrupters that we're seeing here in New Mexico.
1: Thank you. Uh,
2: That's quite interesting, Dave. It's also something we're seeing in uh, all parts of the country. Um, And as we said earlier, I I, I really do uh, uh, hope that uh, we get to continue working together and see how how all of these uh, changes play out. Dave, I want to thank you for joining Brad and I today and for uh, bringing your contributions to our conversation.
4: Well, thank you both so much.
2: I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And um, Brad, I want to thank Dave Jabour and Dave Mosier for getting this conversation started. And we're just scratching the surface. We'll continue this conversation on my future episodes of Alcohol Across
1: America. Thank you for sharing this platform with me this afternoon, Brad. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and I, I want to mimic your thanks to David Jabour and to Dave Mosher. And thanks again, Scott, for all your help. Our next uh, episode of Alcohol America will begin our monthly examination of alcohol in the community, looking not just at the producers, the retailers, but how their efforts impact the communities in which they're located, both positively and negatively. And our co-host for that will be Kathy Durman of the Montgomery County Department of Liquor Control and Mark Willingham, a former uh, officer uh, with the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, and now a dram shop expert um, uh, working under his business, Alcohol Solutions. Uh, So for Alcohol Across America, this is Brad Krever. thanking you all for listening in.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Alcohol Across America. Please join Dr. Brad Krever and another weekly guest expert next Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until our next program, be safe and have a great week.